Amen, worship team, amen, church. It's good to be in God's house this morning. Are we doing okay? Uh, my name is Tyler. I'm the Youth and Families Pastor here at Newtown Road, and it is a joy to welcome you this morning, whether you are here in person or you are tuning in online, Facebook, YouTube. We are glad that you're here and you've chosen to join us for worship this morning. If this is your first time, you're a guest and visitor, um, you've been invited, you have accidentally come across our live stream, whatever, uh, whatever it may be, we would love for you to fill out a communication card so that we know that you're here and can make sure and get in touch with you with the things that you need to know. And so uh, if you're online, you can scroll down, click the communication card link, or if you're here, you can download our, our uh, Church Center app and easily fill out a communication card that way. And that's really the best way we have to get you information that you need um, and for us to have the information that we need. Uh, I am here to give you a couple quick announcements this morning. And the first one is this. We will be live streaming our Thanksgiving service on the 22nd, 7 p.m. Instead of coming back here on Sunday the 22nd, we are going to live stream a service online for you and your families to participate in and to join in. We would encourage you to mark that on your calendar and make sure that you know that's happening. Uh, I, I also want to um, uh, remind you of the Christmas boxes that our, churches, our, our church is putting together in partnership with uh, organizations that are taking Christmas boxes all around the world to kids in need. Uh, we we do this every year. This year is slightly different in that we are encouraging people to go right onto our church, center, our church website, uh, fill out one of those boxes. You can do it all remotely this year and send a box that way. If for some reason you just really, really want to, to get a box, hold it in your hand and help pack it that way, you can go downstairs to the registration table. You can grab one of these how to pack a shoebox cards from Amy Hughes. And then she will give you instructions on what to do because you would have to drop that box off here in the next uh, short time uh, over at Grace Half Moon. And so we just want to give you that information and make sure you are aware of what's happening that way. But we encourage you to go online and fill one of those out online. And then the last announcement is a fun one, okay? It's a good one. Over the past four years, we've done, I mean, one of my favorite things our church has done is get families here for our Christmas family fun night. Thank you. Thank you for those who are paying attention out there. And for some reason, the CDC, they frown upon gathering hundreds and hundreds of people into one room. I don't know why. There's nothing wrong with, uh, with that event. But let's be honest, we were, we were in close quarters, okay? So our church has made the tough decision not to have the Christmas Family Fun Night in here uh, this Christmas season. However, oh, yes, yes, I know, I know. You're excited for what we have in plan. And here it is. Are you ready for this? I'm, I'm excited to announce it. Families, individuals, uh, 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 parents, kids, grandparents, anybody who wants to participate, friends. This year, our church is doing the Christmas Family Fun Hunt. You'll love it. Mm. You will still love it. 
The Christmas family fun hunt will be an epic scavenger hunt that we will put on around this area, and we're going to ask people to show up here at the church, get their first clue, and go out and uh, uh, perform challenges and do things together, take pictures, and then show back up here for a hot chocolate bar. How about that? Doesn't that sound fun? Yes, thank you. I'm excited, and we have some of the like the craziest clues and things in store for you. You don't want to miss it. Man, I want to give you a hint. Oh, just do, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. You're going to have to come and find out, okay, as much as it hurts me. Um, but we're excited about that. We want you to know about that. Uh, that's More information on that is going to come soon. That is going to, to happen on the 12th of December. Okay, that's Saturday the 12th. We want you to mark that on your calendar. It's going to be in the afternoon. We'll have more information to come on that, and you can find it on the website as well. As always, church, we are so thankful for your, uh, your intentionality and your worship and giving, uh, your commitment to our church and giving. If you are prepared to give this morning, you can do that in the box uh, by the door on the way out. You can always give online as well through our church center app or online, and, uh, and we thank you for for your tithes and your offerings and worshiping the Lord in that way. I'm going to invite Pastor Matt up uh, to continue in worship through God's word. Thank you, Tyler. I'm so proud of our, our staff and our, our volunteers who are able to pivot and move quickly and flexibly during this COVID season. It has been crazy, and COVID has killed off a whole lot of really fun things, but it has given life to some new things. And I have it, I have it on good authority that the grand prize or the, the grand clue of that hunt is you have to tie up Pastor Duke to the top of your car and bring him back here. So, um, if, yeah, if they know, he's going to be hiding in a ghillie suit in the woods. If you can find him, you're good, you're good to go. Oh, it is so, you, you all look great. You know that? You look good. I love what you've done with yourselves. It is uh, it's exciting to be here, to be gathered together in the Lord's house. Man, our hearts are warmed already in worship. What, a, what an amazing time to gather together and just praise God a couple of things you need to know before I get going this morning. I just wanted to pause and celebrate a couple of really cool things that are happening around our church. Um, on uh, Thursday and Friday, a new roof went on the original building, uh, which it doesn't sound like the greatest thing in the whole world, and it's not a whole, all that glamorous, but if you would have told me a year ago that we were able to put a new roof on and pay for it with cash, I would have, I would have said, you're crazy. Uh, but the Lord was so good and has provided through your giving faithfully over the last year. So we were able to take care of that. And uh, that's a big, big uh, burden off of the backs of our elders who have to steward these buildings. And feel uh, we're continually feeling the, the pinch of we have to get this done. We don't have the money to get it done. So thank you for your faithful giving. That's exciting. And uh, there's some more projects coming in the near future. Recently, through that 20 fund that you guys gave so faithfully to, remember we said $20 extra each month, the first $20,000 we would give away. Recently, we gave $500 to Hope Prison Ministry to purchase Bibles for those men and women who are incarcerated. And we gave $500 to the Capital City Rescue Mission to help with their Thanksgiving uh, meals that, that, should some, that should feed somewhere between I think it was 200, Chad, what was it, 242.73? It'll, 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 it'll get you 242.73 meals. Uh, and so we are going to help the, uh, Perry Jones and his crew down at the Capital City Rescue Mission uh, in, in sharing the gospel through feeding folks on, uh, on Thanksgiving. 
as always, if you still feel led to give to that 20 fund, we, we hit our goal of 20,000 and we said anything that came in above that, we're gonna tuck into the building fund and use it to work on infrastructure needs around here. If the Lord is still prompting you to give, you can continue to give to the 20 fund. At this point, anything that comes in goes directly into our building fund. That's a good place to put some money because we have older buildings that need some help. And so it's a good thing to do, but we'll leave that with you. I also spent the last three days with our elder team at a short retreat uh, here locally, and it was just a life-giving time. And I wanna tell you guys that we spent time eating Lots, lots and lots of eating. Uh, I'm still full from, from Friday. Uh, spent a lot of time eating and connecting. We spent time planning and dreaming about the next season of ministry here for our church. We encouraged ourselves in the word as we studied through First Peter together, which was such a joy and a blessing to do. Um, but my favorite, my favorite session was yesterday morning when we spent time just praying for you. And as the Lord led and, and prompted us to pray for you and your needs and your stories, we, we just laid them before God and, and begged him to move in powerful ways. Guys, I'm so excited. 2021, um, if, if I had to predict it, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be a little bit wild. This just my, that's, I have a hankering, right? Um, it might be a little wild, but I'm so excited about what God's doing here at our church in the midst of that. He's, he's not changed He's not changed the mission of the church. He's not changed the passion of our leadership team. Guys, we, we are united together. We want to see God glorified through your lives as we equip you for the work of the ministry that God called you to do so we can be a witness here in this place. And it was so exciting and encouraging to be gathered with, his, with the leaders of this church. And we should be thankful, Newtown Road. God has given us great men to lead us and to guide us. And so we're, uh, we're honored. It is a blessing to serve with them. They are my pastors and my elders, and I love them dearly. So just a quick reminder, the world is still crazy. You can't make this stuff up if you tried. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite my tongue and keep moving. God is still in control. God is still in control. You're all uninvited to my Thanksgiving dinner, but God is still in control. It is still a privilege to be part of this church and to grow in grace with you. It is still a, gr a great blessing to see God's work in your lives, and God's not finished with any one of us yet. There is still work that he has for us to do. There are tasks that he's given us. There are gifts that he's given us that he wants us to use to edify the body and to advance his kingdom, and he's not finished. So we're not going to hide in bunkers and pretend like it's all ending. We're going to be, uh, we're going to gird up our loins like the prophet would say, and we're going to fight, and we're going to stand firm, and we're going to continue to do what God has called us to do. This morning we are continuing in our study in Mark chapter 13, where Jesus, remember last week, is answering the question of the disciples. Jesus said, hey, these beautiful buildings of the temple complex are going to be destroyed. Not one stone is going to be left standing upon another, which is a pretty stark warning. This, this whole thing is coming down, he says. They said, well, could you tell us when this will happen and what will the signs be? And Jesus begins to give the signs. And as we talked about last week, it gets a little cloudy for us sometimes because when we're reading and studying these passages, the language is broad and sweeping. And oftentimes, two events that are separated by hundreds, sometimes thousands of years, are contained in the same conversation. And so it's confusing for the people who are hearing it originally, which is why the disciples ask Jesus things like, is it at this time you're going to set up your kingdom? Because they saw it all coming together at the same time. It's confusing for the, those who are right there with him. And sometimes it's confusing for us to try to figure out 
which event is he talking about now? Is he talking about the, the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, which is a historic fact and a fulfillment of this? Or is he talking about something else in the future that we're still waiting for? Or is he talking about both? And so it does get, it does get kind of cloudy for us. And so we, we just said that last week. Let's just admit that it's hard sometimes to do this and be okay with that. And trust that the Spirit knows, knows our weaknesses and knows what we need to understand the truth and the clarity of his word. Additionally, some of the extreme ways that God uses prophetic language alarm us. And sometimes that has led us to uphold the accuracy of the Bible and the authenticity of the Bible in ways that have like further clouded this thing up. So what we're going to try to do today is what and, I, and I, might, I might fail miserably at this. And if that's okay, I pray that you have grace for me, right? My goal here today, as it is every week, is to read the Bible with you and work very hard to help you understand what is clear in this passage for us. It's always been my conviction that a church family, a church congregation is best served that way. Sometimes it's not as clear and plain as I would like it to be. And I try hard, and sometimes I muddy it up, and you have to call me in the middle of the week and say, like a sweet sister did this week, could you help me understand what you said? Because that just really didn't make any sense at all. So I apologize for that and tried to make that clear, but that's what I'm shooting for today. Mark 13 is where we're going today. Mark 13, we're going to start in verse 14 and read to verse 23. Here's what Jesus says. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's power in our lives. And the clarity that it gives us. The perspective it helps us to have in a worldview. Lord, we need your help today. Some of these things may be confusing to us. So we ask that God, your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. That you would open our eyes and open our minds. God, help me to relay clearly the the work of study and the fruit of study this week. And I pray, God, that the end would be the same as it is each week, that you would lead us into truth, that your people would be uh, washed with the water of your word and grown into Christ-likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. So, first portion of this chapter I've entitled, Run Away. Uh, there's, my, there's my Monty Python quote for the day. Uh, I hit my quota. Run Away is the first portion of this, this warning for these people, which is weird because last week he said, when you see all these things, stay put. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, of famines and earthquakes and all, all over the world, when you see all that, when you're, when you're taken before councils and beaten, when you're, when you're persecuted for my name, when the Spirit has to show up and give you the words to say, it's just the beginning. Don't freak out. All these things have to happen. That's the beginning. It's not time to run yet. 
But now in verse 14, he says, there is a time to run. There is a time to, to pull out and get out of town. And we're told here that when these signs that he's talking about now come, when they see these things he's talking about, that should be the trigger for them that they are to get out of the city and flee for safety. So how do they know when they're supposed to run away? He says, when you see the abomination of desolation, that would be the sign. All right, the abomination of desolation. The Jewish uh, disciples that he was talking to would have no problem understanding where he was going. We might forget what that's about. The abomination of desolation is a direct quotation, right, of Daniel chapter 9. And in the, in the book of Daniel, which we studied just a year or two ago, we knew that Daniel was given this vision of the, the future, of the end of the age, and there's this vision of these 70 weeks, these 77s. And in the middle of the 77s would be this, this great desecration. The, 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 this leader who, who had made a, an alliance with Israel would turn on God's people. And the sign of that turning would be this, this desecration of a holy place, this abomination that brings desolation. So he's, he's referencing this prophecy in the book of Daniel. And he says, when you see that, Take off and run. But here's a unique part of that. In the book of Daniel, the abomination of desolation seems to be talking about an event. In the Gospel of Mark, he refers to the abomination as a he. So there's a little bit of a difference there where he ought not to be. So this that Jesus is talking about is a personification, a, a physical presence of this spirit of the Antichrist, the this, this spirit of the one who stands against all that God is for and desires in the world. That's the sign for them that it's time to run. Okay, so here's where it gets a little bit interesting. If you open up 10 commentaries on your Bible study desk, and you read this passage of Mark, and you seek the wisdom of these commentators on when all this happened, you'll get a number of different answers. Some believe that the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy happened in 168 BC when Antiochus Epiphanes took Jerusalem, slaughtered a pig in the temple, and set up an altar to Zeus, forcing the Jews to worship it, desecrating the holy place. And, and, and for, for many of us, we look back on that day as a fulfillment of that passage, for sure. Some have believed it happened later. Uh, in like 40 AD, when Caligula attempted to set up his own statue in the temple. Some believe, as Josephus the historian did, that he was talking here specifically about 70 AD and the destruction. Like that was the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy was 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Even though we don't have much record of, of Titus, the emperor, coming in or the general coming in and setting up a, a false altar, but he destroyed the whole thing and desecrated it in that way. So he says, it, it, it's, it's not all, if you asked all those 15 people, you'd have different answers to that. So which one is it? It, it gets a little muddied. But I don't think it has to be. And he says this, and we'll get back to that in just a second. He says this, when you see that, take off and run. 
When you see the desecration of this holy place, when you see this abomination of desolation, this spirit of Antichrist, this physical presence of an anti-God standing in a place where he ought not to be, we understand that to be in the temple, in this holy place. When you see that, this desecration of God's holy place, you take off and run. Get out. Hide. Because what's coming next is going to be chaos and hell on earth. Get out and leave. So, as we talked about last week, here's where, here's where it gets fun for the Bible teacher and interpreter. Jesus is answering in Mark 13 a specific question that the disciples asked him. When, what will the sign of these things be? These things are, in Mark 13, verse 1, or verse 4, right? Um, not one stone will be left here upon another. When are these things happening? So whatever this means to us, it can most certainly mean more than the destruction of Jerusalem, but it cannot mean less than what it's actually saying. That is to say, we should not read this passage and completely discount a historical fulfillment and move immediately to the end. We should see, I believe, both in this. So here's what he says. When you see this thing, run. Run, take off, get out of town. So if Daniel's prophecy is fulfilled in 168 BC, which is a common, common interpretation, then what exactly is Jesus talking about? Is Jesus making a new prophecy? Is he using the same language to make a new prophecy? Is he reaching back into the Old Testament and instead giving us a second fulfillment of that first prophecy? Or is he doing something different? Well, in 168 BC, Antiochus Epiphanes did in fact desecrate the temple. And in 40 AD, Caligula did set up, try to set up a statue of himself. Josephus, the Jewish historian, did say that the greatest desecration, this is a quote from Josephus, the greatest desecration of the temple of God took place under the direction of the Roman general Titus, who later became emperor. So Josephus says that was the great desecration. In 70 AD, Rome fell, the temple was destroyed. And even though, like I said, there wasn't a physical desecration of the temple, the destruction of the temple is taken to be that fulfillment. So the big question for the reader and the teacher is this. What is he talking about? What in the world are we supposed to make of this? So here's my take. I believe it's historically accurate. I believe it's in line with what I've been taught from the beginning of my Bible study days. I believe it is a... a, a moderate approach to biblical interpretation, but here's what I believe this is about. And if you disagree with me, that's cool. You're allowed to do that. We can still be friends. It's not like you're a Cowboys fan. I'll still take you out to dinner sometime. Like, we can still be friends. But here's what I think all this means. I believe, like I said, Jesus is answering a specific question about the timing of the temple's destruction. So I believe the primary thing in view to the disciples who were hearing this is the, the, that destruction. Jesus has already told him that wars and rumors of wars weren't going to be a sign of the end. They were just the beginning. The sign of the end would be this, this abomination of desolation, this desecration of the temple brought by the person who will be a sign that the destruction is at hand. They would expect that any fulfillment of Jesus' words would include some desecration of the temple because that's how Daniel prophesied it. So they would have understood any, any fulfillment of this would have been tied to that kind of desecration. Now, 
Some scholars that I respect believe Jesus is only talking about 70 AD. They believe that, that all these things in, Matthew, in Mark 13 that he talks about happened only up until the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. They don't see a future fulfillment. That is not my conviction. That is not my interpretation. I respect them. I could, I could still be friends with them, but that is not my interpretation. I don't believe that ought to be yours either. I believe that, um, that he is indeed talking about 70 AD, but he's using this language and the event as a picture, a prophetic picture of a new and later coming destruction and a new and later coming tribulation. So while the disciples probably wouldn't have been able to distinguish between the two, history allows us, under the leadership of the Spirit, to see the difference, to see the physical fulfillment, and yet note the differences in what happened in AD 70 and what still has not happened yet. We have this blessing of looking backward through that historical lens. We have the blessing of seeing the rest of the New Testament. We have the blessing of reading the, the book of Revelation we have the blessing of the closed canon to try to connect all these dots. These guys didn't. So I'd see Jesus using the fall of Jerusalem, which is a historical event, as a picture of the rise of the Antichrist in the, in the end days and the abomination that brings desolation to the altar of God and the subsequent time of great tribulation that is prophesied in the book of Daniel. So, this is one of those areas where the prophet's warnings had a, full phys a physical fulfillment in close proximity and another fulfillment later on. Kind of like we mentioned last week with the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Well, in Isaiah 8, the prophet's wife does have a son. But the son that he's talking about is not only the son in, prophet in, in Isaiah 8, but also the son who will come as the Messiah. And in that future day of desecration and desolation, when this event is revealed, then those who are the people of God in proximity to Jerusalem need to flee. They need to make no delay. Make sure that when you see these things, that you don't, you don't hold back at all, that you move immediately. You drop everything and run. He says, if you're on the housetop doing work, leave. Don't even go into your house. Just get down the fire escape and run. Take off. If you're out in the field doing work, don't even return to get your cloak. Don't get your coat, which is your outer garment and your blanket at night. Just take off and run. Flee to the hills. And he says, alas, for those who are, who have, are, are nursing or, or are pregnant, what he means is, quite literally, it's a practical thing. If you're, if you're schlepping along toddlers or you're pregnant, you're not going to be as fast as those who aren't. It's a... It's, it's a sad thing for those who are going to be slowed down by the burdens of raising kids in that day because they can't flee quick enough. It's dangerous for them. Pray it doesn't happen in winter because there's no food to glean in the fields in winter. It's going to be harsh. You don't have your cloak because you just took off and ran. Pray that this doesn't happen because it's going to be a challenging time. And lest they wondered why they had to flee, he tells them very clearly there is a time of great trouble coming. A tribulation, he says, that has never been experienced before. That great tribulation that we've heard about. And usually when we're considering it, we're thinking in terms of the end times. Jesus is talking both about a tribulation that will come in and around AD 70 and also the end. 
Because during the time of Titus's campaign against Jerusalem, as was the case in the ancient world, people didn't flee the cities, they ran to the cities. They were protected by walls. And the armies of Rome laid siege to Jerusalem. And the stories of what was going on in the city during that time are heartbreaking. There are stories of starvation and disease and sickness and cannibalism. And when they finally broke through the walls, they slaughtered 1.1 million Jews. It was a time of great tribulation, but one commentator pointed out, it was certainly horrible, but it was not the greatest tribulation that we've ever seen on the earth. So Jesus must be talking about something else. What is he talking about? He's talking talking about the great tribulation, the, the outpouring of God's wrath against sin in this world. A time of great trouble, such that we have never seen. It should sober our minds. It should cause us to question Is that something that I'm going to experience? Or has the grace of Jesus saved me and protected me from that wrath of God? So severe would the trouble be that Jesus said that the Lord had to intervene so that people could survive it. It was so bad that everybody would have died had God not stepped in and mercifully stopped it. Like like the trainer who throws the towel in at a boxing match because his fighter's about to get killed. God God looked down and for the sake of his elect, for the sake of his chosen people, he stepped in and stopped the violence and stopped the tribulation and had a limit to its wrath as an act of mercy and love. And maybe he could tell that they were unsettled by this. Maybe you're unsettled by this. I know when I read that, I get unsettled. What are we to do with that? If we're a follower of Jesus and this is, a, this is a, an outcome in the future, what am I to do with that? And he says this. He says, be on guard. That's the third point today. Be on guard. It's, it's the same application from last week. He said, listen, in that day, false Christs will arise, false messiahs, people who bring false religious systems. He says, don't be led astray by them. These people who are under the leadership of the enemy are trying to steal and destroy their countrymen, exploit them. Don't be led astray by them. These false Christs that will come in those days will have power to do miracles and signs. Now, I don't know how that works. I don't know how God, the, the ultimate authority, is okay sharing some of that with the enemy so that he can empower false prophets. And I, I don't understand how all that works. But the Bible tells me that in those days, false prophets will have some kind of ability to do signs and wonders that will be so compelling that if it were possible, God's people would follow them. I take that, by the way, to mean that it is not possible to deceive God's people who are sealed by his spirit. I take that to mean that it is not possible to dupe people into a, an alignment with the systems of this world. I also take that to mean in, in, in conversations that are kind of common today about the mark of the beast, I also believe that it will be very clear for God's people to know. I don't think God is going to allow us to be, see, to be deceived into aligning with a false religious system. I think we're going to have to make that choice willfully. It is, I believe it's not possible for God's elect to be led astray because they're sealed by his spirit and kept by him. And it wasn't their work that got them into the boat, and it surely is not their work that's keeping them in the boat. It's the strength of Jesus' blood and his righteousness that keeps us. So, all that to say, if possible, even the elect would have been led astray. But he says, listen, be on guard. Be ready. Don't be alarmed. Don't be, on, don't be crazy. 
Don't be anxious. I've told you all these things already. So be ready. All right, so what? That's a wild passage. One of the wilder ones I've preached. Well, almost as wild as that one that Chad gave me that time about the role of women in the church. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it's, it's, a wild, it's a wild passage. What does it all mean? One, I would say this. This is just like, this isn't really an application point, just a kind of a statement. This is one of those places where we have to train our minds to major on the clear and plain things, the, the, the clear teachings of scriptural, Scripture, to be uncomfortable with the, some of the unclear stuff. There are pieces of this that are very, very clear. The timings of these things are very unclear. We just have to be okay with that. Now, those of us who like to have, like, we're, we're a bit of control freaks. We like to have everything mapped out. You list makers like me who, like, do things and then put them on your to-do list so that you can see the joy of tr crossing them off. This stuff unnerves us. Like, wait a minute, hold on. If there's a plan, why don't you share the plan with me? We just have to be comfortable as God's people, trusting that he has everything in control, and we can't handle all that information just yet. There are clear and plain things we have to hold on to and build our lives around. And then there are some unclear things that we just have to be comfortable with. It does no honor to God to make the Bible say more than he's chosen to reveal to us. But it also doesn't honor God to dismiss the things that he's chosen to reveal to us either. So let's find that balance. Okay, here it is. What do we make of this? One, just prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, Jesus' disciples and Mark's, Mark's readers could plan on seeing a public destruction of the temple, someone standing where he ought not to be. And when they saw that, they were to interpret that event as God's called for them to run and escape a season of upheaval and tribulation and trouble that would follow. In history, that actually happened. The Roman emperor came, destroyed the temple, unleashed a persecution on God's people. Those who fled were, were preserved. Secondly, this warning isn't only about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. I think there are there are unique differences that would lead us to see a future fulfillment. Specifically the fact that Titus, the emperor, didn't slaughter a pig on the altar, didn't desecrate the altar in that way. He just destroyed it and knocked it down. So those of us who are Bible students are looking forward, or looking not forward with anticipation, but we're looking to see that day when a, the Antichrist, this spirit of, of anti-God and anti-Christian life and purpose and um, this, this leader, this unifying world leader comes and steps in and desecrates the temple in a new way. We're looking for that. He's not just talking about AD 70. He's talking about the time of trouble at the end of the age, time of tribulation when God intervenes and brings about an end for the sake of the elect. Now the disciple of Jesus, whether living in 30 to 50 AD or 2020 AD, has the same response. And the same response is not to get out your calculator and your abacus and try to figure all this out. The response is be ready. There's your response. Be on guard. As we said last week, be busy about the Father's business. When he returns, don't let him find you asleep. Be active. Be moving. Build yourself up in the faith so that you're strong enough to stand in the day of temptation. Listen to the word of God and, and hide it in your heart so that you know the difference between truth and a lie. Learn to distinguish the voice of the Spirit in your life so you can follow his lead. Be on guard. Be prepared. Be ready. And also, if you have never trusted Christ... 
to be your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never received this gospel, that Jesus died on the cross as the Lamb of God to cover your sins, he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures, so that all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you've not cast your hope on him, then my friends, there is a time of great trouble coming for you. And I'm not somebody who likes to leverage fear for just some kind of emotional response, but the Bible is very clear today. And I think one of the applications of readiness is that if you are not a disciple of Jesus, you need to ready your heart and get right with God and find his grace and receive his forgiveness and have his hope so that when the bottom falls out, if the Lord tarries and we are alive in these seasons of turmoil, we will be able to stand firm, knowing, knowing that our inheritance is kept for us in heaven. It's imperishable, and nothing that happens on this earth can cause it to rust or tarnish or lose its value. So be prepared. If you are not ready, repent of sin and turn to Jesus. If you are a disciple of Jesus, build yourself up in the Lord. You are going to need strength to stand in these days. And, it, and just, just so we're aware, I'm not saying this is happening tomorrow, but our world is upside down and backwards. Okay? And even if the Lord tarries 300 more years or more, you still need to be strong today because the enemy is still trying to destroy us and kill us and devour us. And without the strength of Jesus, we can't stand in this day either. So build yourself up, be prepared, and be ready. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for the word and its teaching. We thank you for those things that are very clear to us. There's coming a day when an, when an antichrist will desecrate a holy place of God and unleash a, a fury and wrath and persecute his people. God, we want to be ready. We want to be prepared. Help us, God, to find salvation and grace in you. Build us up and strengthen us for whatever tribulation we face. We know that everybody who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul told Timothy, you told us. So strengthen us for that day so that we might honor you and fulfill our calling and bear witness to the world around us even in the fellowship of suffering with you. Lord, I pray for your church here at Newtown Road that we would be a people who keep our heads that are sober-minded, that are self-controlled. God, forgive us for the anxieties that we display. Remind us again you've got it all under control. Our response is not to lose our minds and run around. Our response is to build our faith, stand firm, and be prepared. God, prepare us. Make us fit for the tasks. Use us, God. And regardless what comes our way, I pray that our feet are, are rooted on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Regardless of what comes our way, I pray that we would be able to, to rest in the Lord Jesus and him alone. Regardless of what comes our way, I pray that we would be able to say, it's okay, God's got this, and he's got me. It's well with me. Lord, I pray that you would move in our midst, strengthen and encourage us in Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we have to say goodbye to our live streamers.
It was so good to see you today. As always, you can tune in 9 and 11 each week, or you can meet us here on campus for our live gatherings at 9 and 11. We will see you next week. Those of you who are still here on campus, go ahead and stand with us, and we will sing songs of worship and uh, apply the gospel truths to our hearts this morning.